0: just go to cars.com. It's magical.
1: Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. It's
2: it's the middle. They play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back
1: in. Speed. Oh, he's a one man working crew. Holiday,
0: shot clock down to six, finds one.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. And of course, read us over at A lot of great stuff dropping, as always, with the season out. Uh, I am really psyched to be joined by Tom Lewis and Rhett Bauer from over 8.9 Seconds. To talk a little bit about the back to back this weekend, primarily the, the, the Miami game that we just got out of. Uh, first and foremost, Tom, how are you doing?
1: I'm uh, doing well. nice to uh, get a win in one of those yeah. close games. And, you know, as, as we spoke about right before the, at the uh, start of the week, it was the uh, uh, least plausible game for the win of the first three, but they got it done.
2: Yes, naturally, of course, they they win the one game that we don't expect them to, but uh, definitely a lot to take from it that that was positive. Uh, Rhett, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I feel like that's been the story for the Pacers
0: the last couple of years is we always expect them to win the first night of the back-to-back against the worst team and then lose against the better team, and they've just somehow ended up pulling the switcheroo on us, and it's kind of nice to see them get a win this early in the season.
2: Yes, most definitely. I mean, I think the first thing that we can hit on right away – uh, it, it's, it feels odd to say it because, uh, obviously, I mean, the, the stat line that Chris Duarte finished with was, was six to 21. He got to the line five times, but ultimately, I, I mean, I think it was his not thing. I mean, it was clearly his worst shot making game as a pacer, but he still had a huge moment. Obviously the, the last play for him in the fourth quarter is called for him. Uh, he plays 40, 42 minutes tonight, second most on the team. Uh, I just think you know, I, I pictured him getting a pretty sizable role with this team, obviously, when he was drafted. Um, you know, injuries start to to play an in in impact right away, and you expect, like, okay, his, his, his role's going to ramp up even more. To see the kind of confidence that Rick Carlisle and the coaching staff has put on him this early already has been uh, not something that I expected. Like, that's been very impressive to me. I was wondering where you're both at with that because that stuck, stuck out quite a bit to me tonight.
1: Yeah, i'd say um defensively he was he has been so strong too and i could call him that after the game that he's just a reliable guy i better than four um and tonight i mean he got to spots that you know that mid-range game um is usually far more reliable than it was tonight. it, it just nothing was falling but um you know to his credit he, he didn't shy away he kept grinding and and ended up making, uh, you know, the big three and then, you know, got some key free throws and was a factor, you know, and, you know, that game winner, uh, potential game winner uh, at the end of regulation, that was well defended and um, that, eh, in and out, but, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that they went to him is, is just, like you say, it's, it's um, crazy how, you know, the, the confidence obviously is being shown in him so early, and I think, you know, just these, Three games as a whole. I mean, all of these circumstances, late game, and 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 different um, variables that have been in play, and um, you know everything that you know. Carlisle's adjusted to different things and played different guys, but he's leaned on Dwight being in the mix the whole way through, and as as you know, I think it's accelerating Carlisle's learning curve with this team, <laughs> finding out what he has and. Yeah, obviously loves what he
0: has. With Jorge. Yeah, I was really, really thankful that we expanded the rotation <laughs> a little bit tonight after the second night of a back-to-back and running eight-man rotations basically for the first two games. But Duarte, man, I think everybody was raising their eyebrows at him waving off a screen to ISO against Bam and then pulling up from <laughs> thirty-plus against PJ Tucker and nailing it. Like, boy, you you can't ask for anything more than that from a rookie, and and it's just great to see not only Carlisle to trust him, but also to him reinforce that trust by doing great things on the court. It seems like he just makes plays nonstop, and it's just – it's really, really encouraging to finally see a rookie out there that's, that's, that's a hit for the Kevin Pritchard era.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's hard because I think you do have to look at him with a little bit of a different lens as a rookie, but also I, I do think that's been overplayed to a degree. And, and more importantly just he's been fantastic already uh in what he's doing um like you mentioned a little bit tom the defense has been extremely impressive to me like uh he played some stretches on jimmy butler uh he was in in screen and chase a little bit on on, on duncan robinson just overall had an impactful game on that and like their the whole team overall had a very solid game defensively and there was some off-ball gaffs you know that happens but um, I mean, Chris was just so solid on that end. I mean, even there, there were a couple of possessions where he was, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler isolated on him. Uh, but he's he's quickly shown that he's not somebody that you can just say, okay, well, we're going to ISO on you and, and take you away and and and, and take advantage of you. Um, and I think it helped, too. Like, we've talked about this before, me, me and you, Tom. I mean, Brett you've, you've been on here and talked about it, too, me and Caitlin. Um, like, this team has really struggled with small guards like uh, Ish Smith and Raul Neto in the first two games were absolutely killer off the bench. And Tyler Hero was really good tonight as well, but obviously in a different way. That was just some awesome shot making. Um, but we finally saw this team really able to put together uh, not just a quality defensive outing, like a fantastic one. Uh, of course, taking note that Kyle Lowry didn't play, and I think that that definitely plays a factor in, in what their offense looks like. But they held Jimmy Butler to 7-22 from the field. Didn't get to the line very much. Uh, Bam Adebayo had an okay game offensively, but nothing crazy. And honestly, it felt like it could have been a lot worse in terms of how Duncan Robinson hit, uh, damaged them. Like I thought Justin Holiday had a fantastic defensive game, extremely active in passing lanes, chased Duncan really well. Um, overall, I just, I mean, the defense was extremely impressive. Rick talked about it uh, at length and post game and, and Malcolm did as well. But um, I mean, what did you guys see defensively? But, Brad, I'll start with you. What, what stood out to you the most defensively tonight um, and how the Pacers approached that end? It really just seemed like there was way more energy
0: than what I expected coming off that that second game. And then just like, Active hands everywhere. The Heat didn't just magically have 22 turnovers. The Pacers were forcing a lot of those turnovers, and Justin Holiday was everywhere. He was absolutely fantastic. I think you mentioned it on Twitter too, Mark. Sabonis has just been way better with his hands and playing more active with his hands. We know we've talked about his defensive limitations, whether they're overblown or not, but man, it just seemed like everybody out there was very dialed in to playing well defensively. And it's no coincidence that O'Shea Brissett gets 32 minutes and the defense cranks up a notch. That, that, that seemed to be a good thing to me. I don't know about you guys. Uh,
2: yes. <laughs> uh I, no, I mean, am right there with honestly,
1: you. <laughs> honestly, I can't believe we've gone this long without Mark talking about O'Shea. <laughs> I
2: had to lead him into it just so we could get it over. Yeah, and trust me, I've been, you you know, yeah, you're right, Tom. I've been very, very, very much so the conductor of the O'Shea reset train. Um, especially hearing hearing him talking post game. Tony East uh, asked a question I was going to ask O'Shea tonight. You know, uh, and and I'm switching automatically to talking about his offense. I thought O'Shea's offense was what really stood out to me. Like the defense okay. was huge. His size was really important, but um, for a team that I, they didn't score 20 bench points in either of the last two games Um, O'Shea scored 18 tonight. And part of that, like he had really good efficiency that shot well, but the handle was there. And that's what Tony asked about. And I think we saw flashes of that at summer league. And we saw that today. He had a really nice attack off of a closeout. Um, He hidden off the dribble step back three, which I was not expecting. And as soon as he took, it, I was like, Oh no, but it went in like the, the three is still there for him, which is something that was really, you know, we were looking for coming into the year again, small sample size, but promising got to the line a little bit. I just think he adds a dynamic. That the team really needs because not to be unkind to Tory Craig. Uh I mean, there's a reason why O'Shea played played 30 minutes and, and Tory played 11 uh, for whatever reason there was, you know, two nights ago against the Hornets. I thought Tory was really important for what he did uh, in, in, in his play. And he had some good moments as a passer too, but tonight I mean, O'Shea was check, I mean not O'Shea. Tori was checking out of everything that that came his way. Like he he did not want anything to do with, with with shooting the rock. Um, like the only shots that he took, it felt like were after the ball swung back his way a second or third time. And there was just a lot of clunkiness and herky jerkiness. Uh late in that first uh first quarter when it was Miles with the bench unit. Uh adding in O'Shea was just so key to seeing the offense opening up would be the wrong way to put it because the offense wasn't great tonight by any stretch. But I do think it just adds another element that was really important, and you could tell was lacking with the bench unit.
1: Yeah, it's so good to see him take advantage of that opportunity too. And, and you know, you you kind of know what you're going to get, and you got that from him, that um, defensive energy and, you know, being able to not battle free. But you're right, he, he was applying pressure being able to, you know, driving the lane and, you know, he didn't score every time, but he, he was putting pressure on that defense and, and, you know, making an impact, you know, that's, that's what you want. And, you know, from that guy in, in that role, you know, he's your fifth option. So if he, if he's attacking like that, um, then that, you know, just makes the defense stay honest. And, um, and then, you know, back to the defensive question overall, with was and Hall and all those guys, um, that effort they put on Butler, you know, kind of a holiday Duarte combo, I guess. Um, it was, you know, it was huge. And he really had to work tonight. Um, you know, Hill was just fantastic. I mean, he made shots. And talk about those, you know, um, it was kind of interesting because I felt like uh, Duarte had a similar shot profile to Hero today. Um, and they just weren't falling, especially in that mid range with, with, uh, but everything was falling for a hero. But, um, aside from that, um, as you mentioned, both Carlisle and Brobden, um, were praising Lloyd Pierce because, uh, it sounds like he, he had the reins, um, in the shoot around today to get everybody right, um, on the defensive end. And I, I noticed at some timeouts early in the game, he caught miles at one point, caught Domas, no caught um holiday coming off and you know it's just in their ear reinforcing what what he's expecting and um you know tightening up the details and it all it all um worked out well and it was, it was you know good to see that impressive effort out there after you know giving up so many points in those first two games
2: yeah exactly and it, 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 it something that stood out to me too like you mentioned in going back over the bench like just one of the coolest parts about the game it's just something that we did not really see much at at all of last year and not to just keep, you know, harping back to last year, but it's just stuff that stands out early in the year. Like um, the entire last six minutes of that fourth quarter and throughout overtime, the entire bench is standing up in the corner and just like watching the game and and, and cheering the team on. Like we just did not see that at all last year. And it's a small thing, but I just, I, I don't know, man, that part was, it was cool to see that. Uh, especially too, like I, I sent this out on Twitter. Like that, you cannot say the Pacers are not exciting, uh, because they certainly made things exciting. The third quarter was once again difficult for different reasons. This time, um, the, the offense just absolutely died in the third quarter. Uh, eight points, uh, only allowed seventeen. So a good defensive quarter still. Like Malcolm talked about that in, in post game as well, saying that you know the team. He was happy with how the team played for. Uh, good defensive quarters but again the offense just kind of um it just was not there at all in in, in that quarter again and it, it it just stands out once again for the third quarter being a struggle um has anything stood out to you guys with that or, or where are you at with that because I don't I don't think we can just pin it on on having fatigue off of a back-to-back like uh, uh, that undoubtedly plays a part but um what stood out to you guys with that do you have any thoughts on 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 where that's coming from because it, it seems like it's going to be a theme this year, or at least hopefully, well, hopefully not throughout the year. I don't think you can point to fatigue when they did well in the fourth quarter.
0: And then mm-hmm. in overtime, it was at least better. I don't know if well is the right way to put it, but really, I think it comes down to the shot chart because the fatigue might lean into them settling for jumpers rather than getting to the hole or feeding Sabonis down in the middle. I know that was the deal yesterday. Um, tonight at the back to back, but I I really do want to see what this shot chart is going to look like. And I'll try to find it and put it out there on Twitter, just because I imagine that that's probably part of it is just settling for jumpers, settling for pull-ups, all of that stuff, rather than uh, putting in that a little extra effort and getting to the hole.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that the shots, and a lot of times um, through those stretches, it seems like, Oh, that's a good shot, but they're just not going in. And they just have this collective, of the clanks, um, but there's got to be something going on because, it, particularly the my that you know, I'm looking forward to looking at it again. But it just seemed like they they were out of sync a little bit. They weren't, you know, you're not getting much in rhythm. You're not, um, and again, getting things into the pan. That was was I love that towards the um, um, w- when they need a bucket to extend things in you know, OT, they're able to get. Uh, you know, use up almost a whole shot clock and get a layup, you know, just running keep pushing it and pushing it and, and making a play. And I feel like th- they need to do that sometimes when they get in those dry spells, it's just like, okay, we're going to focus on pounding this thing in and, and getting a good shot and not settling, um, not just taking the first open shot, mm-hmm. even though there's, you know, a lot of time left in the game, but it's just like, you got to get something to go in to crack the seal. Um, Cause that was like uh, about, six minutes almost on the nose with no points there. Um, obviously, that's half cool quarter. I mean, that's um, you know, they they didn't survive it the first two nights, and it was almost, you know, the uh, what ended up putting them behind the eight ball and getting another loss tonight. So, uh, definitely got to find something in there. And it's funny when, you, you know, you talk to them, it's just like, well, you know, we just aren't making shots. It's um, getting good good looks, but um, something's got to be – there's got to be something in there to tweak or, or, or some different approach to take at least to try and um, stem the tide when it's going the wrong way.
2: Yeah. No, that's a great point, too, that you were bringing up about, you know, the, using the shot clock. And I think to me it's a little bit less about using the shot clock and it's more about just not rushing themselves because it felt like, especially in that second half, um, like it, it just and, – and it's felt like this the last couple of games, too – for, excuse me, for stretches where they just go full. And I understand wanting to go full in on pace and and taking as many threes as possible. But at the same time, like you're mentioning, Tom, it feels like a lot of times they're just, you know, getting down the court as fast as possible, getting into an action as quickly as possible and then going with the first thing that clicks. And I, again, I think that there's gotta be a little bit more deliberation with that and, um, you know, having things uh, play out because one of the issues that happened down in the fourth quarter, as as the Heat made a little bit of a not a little bit, I mean they obviously made a comeback, tie the game, but like you know, you have possessions where you come down and you 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 take an open three right away, or you you drive to the rim early, um, which is not a bad thing, but I mean, then you get kickouts to to T.J. McConnell and like things like that, like th- there was just a lot of clunkiness overall at the end of the. At the end of the game, especially in the the second half, that was um, kind of prescient.
0: This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay.
2: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip.
0: Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4 3 Void or prohibited. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito yeah
2: Yeah, no,
1: actually, that, that's a good point there. Um, this isn't just because you raised McCall doesn't mean I'm bagging on McCall, but it also could be those combinations of players that are out there. Yeah. Um, you know, It's a struggle. With certain combinations, and you know, we've seen in the three games there have been a variety of, of alterations going on and on, and, and that's something uh, Carlisle and his crew are, are, are still working through. I'm sh- I'm sure, and and maybe they just need to find <laughs> um, certain certain lineups at certain times just aren't going to work. Um, so, but that, that that definitely is a factor as well um, when you think about you know maybe there's only one or two guys that are gonna be able to create their shot or get you know, keep a possession going as opposed to having more shooters to spread things out and create better opportunities. So um that, that when you mentioned that I just thought, you know, yeah that's a that's a thing too. It's it's who's playing and when they're playing and, and the matchups and all of that. So it's all it's all a hodgepodge of, of view if if it's going the wrong way.
2: <laughs> yeah. No exactly. I mean it's just tough because um, I don't want to be too critical right away, but you know, it just, TJ just has not felt super optimized so far this year. And that's something that I think is, we're going to be watching for the next couple of weeks. Um, part of it's tough because last year I almost felt like he was the one guy who really benefited the most from that scheme on both ends. Um, and it just wasn't, you know, it, it hasn't been the same for him yet. I still think there's a lot of value there with him and it's just going to be finding better ways to put him in those opportunities, but we'll see with that. Um I think that can be a good transition point to talking about Miles. Uh, I do think some people are overreacting to it. I like two of the fouls he got tonight were just kind of BS, and uh, they were awful. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Rick mentioned that in post game, but then he also had a, a great line saying, "You know, well, Miles has trucked the shit out of that guy, so it was a foul." <laughs> yeah, you definitely <laughs> had that one. Yeah, that one was earned, but yeah, the 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 one on Jimmy early, I think that was in the second quarter or was in the first quarter. I can't remember. Yeah, it was, it was first quarter because he picked up his third foul. Um, he got, yeah, he, I did not see the contact. Like there was contact, but it wasn't like it was contact from both guys. I don't know. Rough call. But my point is yeah. I didn't really see anything from miles tonight that made me say, wow, this is bad. Like we haven't even gotten to talk about last night's game. Um, I was going very in on this on Twitter cause it was the most exciting thing. Like I, you know, I, I think I've watched a, at least 80% of miles games throughout his career, every single one, the last two and a half years now. Um, like that was, I mean, I mean, no shit. He set a career high best game of his career, but more importantly, just like seeing him attack like that, that was the first game. I think I can really honestly say that he's just has not, he's hes not hesitated at all. Like he just went and gunned it. Um, and I feel like, you know, you don't, it's hard to extrapolate that to tonight. I think that you saw a lot of that same mindset still, like you know, the things were different because yeah. you're play, playing a much better defensive team with better defensive personnel. But um, I just think if that is who Miles is going to be throughout the year and more again, mindset wise, he's not scoring 40 every night. But I don't know. I just felt really good about that. I'm not really as worried about how the fouls went tonight. Rick dispelled anything with. Uh, quote-unquote awkwardness of of miles sitting um, which I still I don't know I still think there is something to that as much as he he didn't love the question I do think it was a fair question to ask it is odd to you know have a starter sit pretty much the entire second half but um, understandably sat most of the second half um, but where were you guys with that because I just I, I mean we have to talk about how good miles was yesterday and, and what that means moving forward. Yeah, First well, off, to... the massive oh, difference
0: ahead, but... between the Miami Heat defense and the Washington Wizards defense definitely played a factor because Miami is very, very good even without Kyle Lowry and the Washington Wizards are not. So factor that into tonight. The ticky-tack fouls obviously takes him out of it. Only playing 16 minutes obviously takes him out of it. But your point about him not hesitating at all last night, well I mean last night from right now when you guys listen to it, it probably won't be last night, but Against the Wizards, he was absolutely incredible. And I, there were so many times where you just expected it to stop. Like you expected him to start reverting back to deferring or hesitating or looking to immediately swing the ball instead of attacking or shooting. And he just didn't do it. And he just stayed aggressive. And man, I, it's a bummer that he followed that up with this game because then, you know, he's just going to have the, the argument against that, but it was just absolutely incredible. And I really, really hope is more of an indication of what is to come for miles's role in this offense than just an outlier. Obviously he's not going to score that much and be that incredible, but the way he was being used and the way he was asserting himself uh, was just was great from both the coaching staff perspective and from his own like internal perspective.
1: Yeah. I, I thought tonight he had that same kind of body language. You go, let's go um, from the, from the get-go when he got the ball, it wasn't kind of the same results. And then obviously the foul trouble sucked the air out of his game tonight. Um, but again, you know, they, those two guys had, you know, uh, Domas and, and Turner had a huge game last night doesn't end up in a win now. very easily could have there there, there were factors that um, obviously could have gone a different way but not even going to bring up the refs. Um, you know that could have resulted in a win and that would have been just a glorious example of the Turbonus working perfectly uh, but then you know in a game like tonight when Miami's playing P.J. Tucker and Bam and you would think okay you can try to find an, an advantage there at least offensively um they were never able to get to the point where that was a factor because because the foul trouble really and then you know y- you can see where, where that team can be uh a pretty solid all around when when they're playing more of a normal quote unquote lineup with you know with O'Shea playing the four and and the um more stout d around um around the perimeter and, and then, you know, more active defensive guys, four guys out there as opposed to one sitting in um, protecting the rim with Bill Moss trying to chase somebody. So um, it, it definitely has exposed the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess, of, of the combo. But the fact is that I, – and I feel, you know, just having watched these three games that um, Carlos, he he's not married to a script. Um, in these games, and and he's 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 seeing what happens, and he's playing what's working, and trying to stay with what's working, or adjusting. And so you know, I I feel like the opportunities are going to be there for guys if they're ready to take advantage. And you know, miles miles will get plenty of plenty of opportunities at this point um, with the way these guys are playing. And um, so you know, overall, that that was just a huge huge night for. For him, I think, against the Wiz to um, – obviously, the career high is huge, but but also, you know, working the glass. And and, and when that game was going on live, I, I saw the second half. I was in a bar, um, which may shock some people. But what I thought was cool was the buzz. There was buzz in the bar that Miles has 36. Miles had 38. He got the 40. I mean, people like, Miles, you know, I was like, miles fan club and, and you know a lot of times you hear fans just kind of backing on miles a little bit or, you know when when he's not getting over seven rebounds or something and it was just like a huge love fest and i was like ah, i wish he could hear this you know it's like he owned yeah. it he deserves it and it was cool that, that the place was uh not only you know that ended a game you know but um but i could i could hear the the miles buzz all, all around. So it was, it was
2: pretty fun. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. You know, that that's, it, it, I don't want to say it made me emotional last night, but it just was so cool seeing things really click for him. Like, I don't want to just mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, calling game two a turning point game in his career or something like that. Cause that seems, um, you know, a little bit preemptive, but at the same time, like this is year seven for him. And this is the kind of thing that we've been waiting for, for a while or more importantly that he's just kind of needed um and i don't know man like it, it, it's not like saying again like not saying that he's going to be some 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 all-star scorer who's you know just putting the ball on the deck 15 times a game and, and, and scoring 25 but like just the, again the mentality and, and where he was finding things that's that's huge and i'm really interested to see how that continues yeah. to play out and i hope it sticks for him um one last thing that i want to hit on before we get to well i, I have a couple more things but uh, one bigger thing I want to hit on, uh we got to talk about the rebounding because the rebounding is not as much of a problem so far this year. Um it's right around league average right now, if if not slightly above. Uh the, the team was even. Uh, the teams were even tonight in rebounding. Uh the Pacers actually had more offensive rebounds than than the Heat did, which is not something that we're used to saying. Um part of that's been adding for Duarte, but But Malcolm Brogdon was fantastic on the glass tonight. Uh, he was one away from tying his career high 14 boards tonight, was just everywhere. Like, I actually think how many of the offensive rebounds? Yeah, he Malcolm had four offensive rebounds tonight, which again, not something that you I think he had two of those on one possession, too. Yeah, no, he was he was phenomenal. (laughs) Um I mean, I don't want to say that it's strictly because of being under a new coach, but I think we see now having more guys on the wings, like adding in Torrey Craig, playing more of O'Shea, um, the rebounding's just been better, man. I, I I don't have like a great reason to pinpoint on it, but regardless, I mean, yeah, just looking at the, if you take the first two games, too, they're 14th in rebounding in the NBA, ninth in defensive rebounding. Um, that's been awesome. So, I mean, have, is that set out for you guys as well?
0: Yeah, for sure. It seems like there's guys that just have a nose for the ball. Like I know, I know Duarte does. Tory Craig did in the first two games. He didn't get much of a run tonight. Only eleven minutes, but he had two offensive rebounds in those eleven minutes, and they were big. And then O'Shea as well. We know he can go out there and board. So it's just really, really encouraging to see guys like making that a priority on both ends, because you know having 14 offensive rebounds as a team is something that I think we would have been ecstatic for last year. Cause it seemed like we just didn't have a chance at getting rebounds more often than not. So it's just, I think just the, the nose for the ball from guys like Duarte and, and Craig and O'Shea, obviously, but Brogdon everywhere, like you said.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm very proud, Bob, because when you mentioned rebound, you know, I'm just a visual type person and is things flash in my head, and that's what flash my head is Bob and they're going in the middle on the defensive glass. And it's not necessarily that they're getting it, but they're in there and they're taking out somebody and maybe someone else is getting it. And there's just it seems like a, a much more um, collective effort to not leave the defensive end without the ball. Um, and and then, you know, a couple of times a night in particular, I noted, uh, early in the game, uh, but my miles, you know, just pushing it, keeping his man sealed and going and getting the ball. Um, and a lot of times he'll, he'll block a guy who allows the rebound to go to somebody else, but he was more active and just, you know, I, I felt like he'd been coached up on, on that on some level, like, you know, we're stealing this guy and we're going to get the ball because you know that's that's what you can do and and, um you know his results have been better through three games you know i guess per minute at this point but um but yeah that it's you know and again like you say league average that's great but keeps us level and and uh, then you find other ways where your strengths are to to win the game but um as long as it's not a detriment and in some cases it's going to be a positive then, yeah, that's, that's been a great
2: development. Yeah, I'm right there with you, uh, especially just considering where it's been the last three years. That's such a massive upgrade, and I think that's all you can really ask yeah. for. Um, unless you guys have anything else that you want to hit on before we get out of here, I think that's a good closing point. Uh, the only other thing I will maybe Are mention, you- Jeremy Lamb had a really good game tonight. Uh, defense, again, you know, it's, I think that's always going to be a question with him, but the Pacers simply just do not win the game without him – having an absolutely monster second quarter um, and just coming in and shooting like that and went four or five from three tonight. But sorry, Tom, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: Uh, Well, I I just wanted to bring up one little thing that I thought was cool um, with uh, Isaiah Jackson scoring his first point. He got the game ball afterwards, but um, he's become the uh, last-minute sub to save some fouls guy. Um, at the end of quarters or, or half, which is, you know, we all got to start somewhere. But the first time he we went in at the beginning of the – or at the uh, end of the half, um, when they first got the ball, I could see been like, they were getting into some, and then he, like, changed everything and, and set up a play that would eventually lead to um, Isaiah, you know, dunking the ball. He ended up getting fouled, making a free throw, getting that point. But I just thought that was, um, you know, I don't know how that play came about. You know, you would think you come in cold for 30 seconds, they're not going to run a play for you. But, but, um, but you know, he was the, I guess, the second option off of that when the defense would would uh, have to come help on Brothman, and he knew he'd be there for the for the, uh, you know, dive to the rim, and and that was just a uh, a sweet thing to see there, and, and that put him up ten at the half, and. You know, again, it was just another quality half of basketball. I and mean, then you're, you're hoping from there they can go on the win. But um good to see that the rook getting in there and, and um you know taking whatever he's getting, the scraps he's getting and and being active.
0: I'll say one thing about the rest because we mentioned it that some of the fouls on Miles towards the end were kind of ticky tack, but Jimmy Butler did not get near the whistles that he got last year on the same token, because I'm looking at, I'm looking at it right now, last night, or rather tonight he had, he was four or five from the line, but last year he averaged, I think, Seven to eight free throws a game against yeah, the Pacers. Actually, and a, oh, dude, it was more than that against. Him. Well, he, had, uh, he had
2: like a didn't he have a sixteen free throw game? I against think he, he did. I, I'm
0: just scrolling down Basketball Reference, and I only got through three games, and he's averaging eight right now. So yeah. that's there's definitely something to that, especially when yeah. the point of emphasis for the league about the jump shot bailing into the oh, guy I not calling it. it. No so it yeah, this was it. Seemed like it was a point of emphasis for for that, and
2: I was really really glad to see it. Yeah, exactly. Also, last note on that, since you mentioned Jimmy Butler, um, we can just count on Jimmy Butler magically becoming a three-point shooter again when he plays the Pacers. It's happened every (laughs) single damn game. I swear to God, uh, he he shot what? Below 30% from three his entire time in Miami. Um, But again... Corner three tonight, splash. So, <laughs> just getting used to that. It one. was one of three. I thought for sure he was better than that, just based on the feeling that you were just expressing. But one of three, I was shocked. It's still enough, you know. But regardless, uh really good team win. I, they needed this one. You definitely, especially with the schedule coming up, the box on Monday, which that is a that is a whole game uh that I'm sure they're going to you know try and be ready for. We'll see how that one goes, uh, but. Yeah, a really, really necessary win for the team coming out uh, of a back-to-back and, and headed into the next week of the season. Tom, Rat, this has been a blast. I appreciate you guys taking the time and coming on at, uh, late on your Saturday night. Um, we'll definitely be talking again soon, uh, hopefully after a win on Monday. But I appreciate you guys. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.